Well, this is Super Bowl Sunday, and we've been doing a series on walking in love. So what better weekend to remind us of the importance of walking in love is the Patriots win another one. (laughs) So bear with me as we start with just a little bit of football humor. One man said to another, my wife thinks I put football before marriage even though we just celebrated our third season together. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of the Puppy Bowl. During the Super Bowl, there was another football game of note between the big animals and the little animals. The big animals were crushing the little animals, and at halftime, the coach made a passionate speech to rally the little animals. At the start of the second half, the big animals had the ball. In the first place, in the first play, the elephant got stopped for no gain. The second play, the rhino got stopped for no gain. On the third down, the hippo was thrown for a five-yard loss. The defense huddled around the coach at a timeout and asked excitedly, "Who stopped the elephant?" "I did," said the centipede. "Who stopped the rhino?" Uh, that was me too, said the centipede. And how about the hippo? Who hit the hippo for a five-yard loss? Well, that was me as well, said the centipede. So where were you during the first half? Demanded the coach. Well, said the centipede, I was getting my ankles taped. (laughs) Thank you, Peggy. Peggy got it. (laughs) You know, Coach Belichick is for the New England Patriots, is known for his stoic nature and hardly ever cracks a smile and doesn't show much emotion, especially not laughter. And, and, uh, but just a couple days ago, a joke got him, and he started laughing. And here's the joke. What did the football coach say to the payphone? I want my quarterback. And I thought my centipede joke was a lot better than that, but anyhow, one more, one more. Hours after the end of the world, a border dispute emerged between heaven and hell, and God invited the devil for conversations to find out a way to resolve the dispute quickly. Satan, the devil, proposed an American football game between heaven and hell. God, always being fair, told the devil... The heat must really be getting to your brain. I love football. And the game would be just so one-sided because all the good football players come to heaven. And the devil smiled and responded, yeah, but we got all the refs. (laughs) I know what you're going to be doing at your Super Bowl parties. So we're going to go on and talk about love again today. Here's a wonderful passage that John writes. He says, Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Let's say that together. God is love. And now that's written for all of us who are following Christ, right? So... Let me let you off the hook if you're not a Christian. What we're going to be talking about today, it it really isn't for you 
to try to do. If you're just curious about living by faith, you're welcome to explore that. We highly encourage you to do that. Please keep hanging on and hanging around because we welcome you here if you're just exploring this journey. There's no expectations put on you. Should you try to be interested in the love walk. But for those of you that have received Christ and have received this new nature on the inside of you, because that's what happens when you receive Christ, you receive a whole new nature on the inside of you. Then for those of those that are in that situation, I want you to know as we begin today that divine love has been literally poured out into your heart. It's been poured out into your your heart. Your heart is full of divine love, a supernatural love that has never existed before inside you like it is now. Now here's what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5. He said, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And I think we like that part that Cindy began to encourage us in worship this morning that, that God loves her and, and God loves you and God loves me. And we like that part about God coming to us and loving us. Extremely important. It's the foundation of our new identity in Christ that God in all of our situations in all of our incompleteness and in all of our sin, he still loves us. It's amazing. It doesn't get any better than that. That God would love us. We like that part about God pouring His love into our hearts, but sometimes when it comes to pouring out our love into another person, we don't always like that as much because that's where the challenge is. And that's why we're talking about this. Much of the time that we have opportunities to love other people is when those people are not reciprocal of our love. They don't reciprocate the love back to us. And sometimes they're pretty despondent and unresponsive. But I want to say this a couple times today, that God never intended us to be just a reservoir of love. He gives us all the love that we could ever want or handle. But his purpose in loving us is so that through us, he can love the unlovable. And so he doesn't want us to be just a reservoir. He wants us to become a river of love. Not to hoard it all for ourselves, but to be a river of love and give it to others. Years ago, uh, a person in ministry stopped by and listened to me share. And then when he left, he went out and he started to talk critical about me and discrediting me and told people that I'd just spoken to how off I was. And I'd like to say that at that moment, I began to walk in love. But that was very tough for me, very hard for me to walk in love at that point. And uh, I can remember driving my car down the highway and hearing this impression on the inside of me you need to give so and so that person he called that person's name 
And he said, you need to give that person some money for his ministry. And I just kept on driving. And I just completely ignored it. But that impression dogged me wherever I went. I literally remember it dogging me for about a week. Every single day, every time I would think about something, it would come back to me. You need to give that person some money for his ministry. And I, I, I was just challenged. I was just challenged. And then finally that voice got stronger. When are you going to do something about what I told you to do? And I said, Lord, I have no intention to do that. I was just being honest. I have, I have no intention to do anything about that. And it was silent. And so I had to argue my case a little bit. You ever do that? So I argued my case a little bit. And I said, well, I've got four small children at home. And, and we're stretched pretty thin right now. I don't have a lot of money. I, to give my money that my kids need right now? Silence. You know, you, you've been there. You know what that's like. The conviction is on you. And, uh, and I just kept on going. And they got to go to college someday. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to argue with God. Don't ever do that. I mean, it just, it's unprofitable to argue with God. But finally, I gave him the gift, and he called me. And we talked, and we got that back on the right path. Love is always better than hate, isn't it? it? And it really, love never fails. It always works. Listen to these words from Jesus from Matthew chapter 6. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Well, think of the implications if you don't forgive. And he also said this, he said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Let me say it again. It's not enough to be a reservoir of love. God wants us to be rivers of love. Now here's another thought about love. And it's this, that love is a fruit it's a fruit. And Paul wrote these words in Galatians to the Galatian churches. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, primary. We're talking about the preeminence of love above everything. And really everything that he says after this flow of our expression of love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So all of those are expressions of love. But Allow me to get a little bit technical here on this verse. In Galatians chapter 5, most people, most translations have capitalized, as this one is, capitalized the word spirit. For the fruit of the spirit is love. But could it be a small s, meaning your regenerated human spirit? Just consider that as we go on a little bit further. W.E. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words says this. That it, he points out that one Greek word, there's no cap, capital, capitals in the Greek, and there's just one Greek word for spirit, and it's pneuma, which might be pneumatic. You, you know, you're pretty, we've transliterated that into English, so you're probably pretty familiar with that. And it means breath, it means spirit. Um, and again, no capitals. Therefore, sometimes it's really difficult to understand, except by context, whether he's talking about the Holy Spirit 
or your regenerated human spirit that has the life of God in it now. But it's obvious from this passage that I would suggest to you that it's not talking about the Holy Spirit per se, but it's talking about your regenerated, born-again, new spirit that has the life of God in it. And why would I say that? Because fruit, where does it grow? It, it doesn't grow on the trunk, does it? Where does fruit grow? It grows on the branches. And what did Jesus say? I am the vine or the trunk. You are the what? Branches. So fruit, this fruit is going to grow on you. The Holy Spirit doesn't need any more peace, doesn't need any more love. He's full of love. He doesn't need any more endurance. He's, he's the master of all these things. But who needs patience? <laughs> Me. Who needs more love flowing from them? I do. So the fruit needs to grow on me. And so the fruit of this spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Meekness means teachableness, temperance. Against us there is no law. So what does that mean? You can look at your life from the point that Christ, if, if Christ has come in, from that point, you can see, you can look at the kind of person that you were at that point compared to where you are now. If it's one year, one month even, 10 years or even longer, you can tell that you're different, aren't you? And what has made you different? The power, the life of Christ on the inside of you has come out and it's growing on you. <laughs> That's an amazing thing, especially if, you know what you were like before. Anybody know what you were like before? Wow. So, Weymouth is another translation, and he says this, he says, now you know full well the doings of your lower natures. That would be the flesh. Fornication, impurity, indecency, idol worship, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Outbursts of passions, intrigues, dissensions, factions, envyings, hard drinking, riotous feasting, and the like. So there, he could have gone on and on and on. He says, and the like, and everything else. So where does all that show up? It shows up in our lives, in our thought patterns. It shows up in our actions, in our deeds. And then he goes on, the spirit, could that be? Small s. Could that be not specifically the Holy Spirit? Of course we understand it's the Holy Spirit giving us the life for this, but could it be on us, in our lives, in our thought patterns? And he says, but the Spirit, on the other hand, <clears throat> brings a harvest of love, joy, peace, patience towards others, kindness, benevolence, good faith, meekness, self-restraint. So where does all that fruit show up? In our thoughts. In my actions, he's the vine and we are the branches and the fruit grows on the branches. So why is this so important? Because I'm needing all those things. Because my life is better with all those attributes. Because I don't have those attributes in and of myself. But God's got them all. He fills me with them 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they grow in my life. Yesterday, at home, we were hanging some pictures. And Di doesn't want to just hang one picture in our living room wall. She wants to hang a whole collage of... Now, that's the word for collage. When you're growing up in the Ozarks, it's collage. So... She's wanting to hang all these pictures of our kids and our family and the new baby, the new grandchild and, and all that in the living room. And, and why is it when a woman... Oh boy, I better talk to you guys over here. <laughs> why is it when a woman gives you instructions and she say, hey, I want you to do this. And so I'm doing that and I'm measuring and I'm thinking exactly what I... And then she'll come back in and tell you exactly what she wants to do to do it different. Why is that, Peggy? I'm going to pick on Peggy today. <laughs> I should be asking Don. <laughs> so she comes in. She says, I'd rather, well, there was a choice. Right? Thank you. There was a choice. I could walk in love. I could say, oh, yeah. You know, and it turns out she was right. You know, 99% of the time it's that way anyhow. I might as well just. But I had the choice whether to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and be patient and just Oh, it, what do you want, honey? Right? Isn't that the right words? Somebody help me here today. Gosh. So, love is the fruit of the Spirit. Here's another thing about the Holy Spirit that we have to really get down today. Is we need to remember that love can grow. Love can grow. It's a fruit, so it can grow, right? And it's really important that we get that because... Sometimes we get in, our, in these situations where we're challenged, and it doesn't matter how long you live in God. You can get challenged to the core real fast by a, a difficult situation. But love can develop. And we get so discouraged that, man, I thought I was more developed in that area. I think sometimes God even lets the pressure come on us a little bit so that we can see what, what needs to grow. Okay. So your regenerated human spirit has this power from the Holy Spirit on the inside. It grows from your spirit. It brings life. It changes the way that you think. Whole thinking patterns can change over time. It shows up in how you treat the referees. Mm. No, I, I told Don ahead of time, it, nothing I say about refs is... Has anything to do with Don today? So, what about a bank attendee, attendant, your complaining customer, your disagreeable spouse, or or parent, or teen, your antagonistic coworker? We could go on and on. There's a thousand different situations that test us and probe us and and help us grow. And don't get discouraged if you blow it, because you're going to blow it. God understands that. He never expects perfection. He just wants you to keep growing and keep staying plugged in. Let me challenge you today to not live an isolated life. Because really the only way that you can grow spiritually is with other people. And other people will rub you wrong.
Let me talk to you guys that are just now exploring the possibility of following Christ. You haven't made that decision yet, but you're thinking about it. And I want to try to explain to you what we Christians try to do. You may see us one of two different ways, or maybe another one, but these are the two that I thought about. Either you see us as living too perfectly, and you can never even aspire to that, because you just think that we're so perfect, or you think that we're so hypocritical that you don't ever want to be around us. True? I mean, some of you are fresh out of that kind of living, and you say, yeah, that's true. But the truth is that Christians are quite imperfect. And all you Christians, would you agree? That's true. And as a group, I think we're pretty insecure about our faults. We don't like sharing them. And we don't like talking about them. We like talking about other people's faults. And that's not probably very healthy. But we don't like it to the degree that our writers have encouraged us over 50 times in their writings to make sure that we meet together, that we rub shoulders with each other. And here's a few of those. Mark, the writer Mark, he, he wrote, he says, be at peace with each other. And six times the writer John said, love one another. You can't do these things if you're in isolation. You can't do this unless you are part of a group. Paul wrote many times, he said, of all these different things he wrote, he said, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You still with me? Be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I'm just down to 20 and there's over 50 of them. And I'll skip them for now. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Clothe yourselves with humility toward each other. You know, that's, where, that's really where it gets down to, especially in marriage. You have to get on your knees. Maybe not physically, but your heart has to bow and just say, I'm sorry. Be the first to say, I'm sorry. If you want to have a healthy relationship, it takes both of you saying, I'm sorry. And come, I, can't, I have to say that hundreds of times over the years. But our writers, John and Mark and Paul and Peter and James, all had to remind us over and over again to love one another. No, we're not perfect, guys. We're not perfect. But we'd be honored if you're just starting to explore a relationship with Jesus. 
we'd be honored if you'd join us in our groups. We really would. And there's no expectation. You don't have to share. You, don't, you can just sit there in silence and just take it all in. You can, you're welcome to ask any questions that you want, but we would love for you to be a part of it. We don't want to be hypocritical and we don't want to be too perfect because we understand that there's only one who's perfect and his name's Jesus. But we would love for you to do that and be a part and we won't belittle you if you don't know any scripture. Hey, we've all been there. We won't belittle you if you have questions. We've all had questions. We've all been there. We know what it's like. It wasn't that long ago where we didn't know anything. We won't belittle you if you don't know anything. Just come and be a part. We would love that. Really, I'm putting a plea out. We really love that. All you have to do is sign up, and that's just so that we know how many, and, uh, and then show up and be a part of it for a few weeks. You can even share your story in it if you are comfortable. So we're looking at the preeminence of love and how important it is. Even in just a week and a half here, we've, we've seen how important walking in love is. I really think this is one of the most important things that we could ever learn and come back to and revisit over the years again and again and again. I believe our health is connected to it. I believe that there are things that stop our health if we don't walk in love. I'm not saying all sickness and disease is caused by unforgiveness, but it is one, the one thing that Jesus mentioned directly. He didn't mention anything else that would stop faith, that would stop answered prayers. He said, this is the one thing. If you ask anything, make sure that you're forgiving other people. So when my prayers don't seem to be answered over a period of time, I'm like, God, is there somebody? Oh, yeah, I need to let go of that. Holy Spirit's really good at helping us understand what needs to go. So I'd encourage you right now, if there's anybody, anything that is blocking and clogging your relationship with God and, and, and you see that there's, your prayers just haven't, would you just release it now? Would you close your eyes with me right now and let me pray? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring to mind quickly those people that we need to forgive. If there is, we don't, we don't want to dig up a bunch of junk, but if there is anybody that's clogging us, that's, that's because of our unforgiveness, we're not clear before you, we for, forgive them right now. And we let it go. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter 5, again, says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's no law against this. I may love the grace of God. <laughs> you understand there's a big difference between your own works, trying to walk with God, and, and yeah, that didn't get very far, did it? And then the grace of God is like, oh, man, do I need God's grace? It's awesome. Moffat's translation says, but the harvest of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, good temper, kindliness, generosity, fidelity, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against those who practice such things. Good news is you don't have to walk under a law. You're under grace. 
and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amplified Bible says, against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. You're walking in love. No charge can be brought against you. Wow. Thank you. John 15, Jesus made this amazing statement. I made mention of it earlier. Let me go into a little bit of it. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine. And I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So love is that first fruit that's mentioned. And by staying connected to the trunk or the vine, that's where my life is. You can read that all on your own in, in John chapter 15. I can't help but think of our farm when I look at these verses about the vine and the branches. Dad grows pear trees out in our place and, and, uh, and apple trees. And, and I go out and mow and I'm on the rider. And, and during the fall when the pears get ripe, it's usually pretty hot. And I'm riding on that mower and I just pick a, pick a pear and eat it while I'm riding the mower. I don't know how safe that is, but it's fun. And uh, usually by the end of fall, it's, it's, they're pretty ripe and they taste good and it's nice, you know. During the summer, they're hard as rock. There's no use picking them then. Isn't that like our hearts? Sometimes our hearts can be as hard as a rock. Because there's some, like these different parts of the fruit of the Spirit... There's not enough patience. It's just hard. It's just hard. Because you, maybe you grew up in a family that wasn't very patient, so that part of your heart gets hard. And it takes some softening. But as the Holy Spirit continues to grow and has His way in your life, that hard place in your heart becomes soft. And you're able to be more patient. Every one of the fruit is like that. And there's different times of our lives that we go through that. If you go through a hurt, a painful thing, then pretty soon you'll find that your heart can become hard in that area because you've been hurt. But the Holy Spirit comes and He softens that. And He'll actually use, and this is the amazing thing about the power of the Holy Spirit, is that He can actually use our pain. He never, God never wastes any pain. Never waste anything that hurts us. And he'll take that and he'll use that and soften it and then use it in another person's life because you'll be able to help somebody else. As his love comes to you, you are a river and then it changes you and then it comes out to another person. That's God's design. That's what he wants. That's what he loves to do. So I'm asking you today, my challenge is, would you take these words in Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 22, and write them down, just like we did last week with 1 Corinthians 13. Would you write those down? There's just a few, few words there. And write them down. I don't want to do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. But just note that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Write those down and put them on a 3 by 5 card or somewhere that you will see it. And read them twice each day this week. The first thing that you get up, Take a look at those and read and think about them. And then right before you go to bed, would you do it again and read and think about these words and let this life that's in Galatians, the word of God, come into your heart and change your heart 
And let him search. Give him full access to your heart to search for those hard places to change them. Would you do that? God's so good to us, isn't he? He's so patient to, with us. I started watching Danielle Strickland of the Salvation Army. Oh, I think it's been about three years now. She was at a, several conferences that I was watching and, or attended. And, and uh, I was just, every time I hear her speak, I'm challenged and I'm encouraged by her. Uh, she's talking about love in this situation. And sometimes, and I know there's people that you're loving, that there's no response there may be even a negative response. I want you to be encouraged by this. Would you run that? The student, you know, came and heard about this incredible brothel ministry we were doing, so she came to shadow me to learn how to do it. It's so much fun, you know. She's from England. So we get to this one brothel, uh, XTC, you know, very clever name, and... Uh, I get to the, the broth, I say, hey, knock on the door. I, I'm like, from the Salvation Army, I do my whole spiel. You know, we visit massage parlors in the area, and we're here to visit you. Ta-da, it's your lucky day, you know? And, and the lady goes, yeah, thanks anyway. We don't want you. Closes the door. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, don't worry. It's just the first week, you know? So we go back the next week and knock on the door. You know, hey, Salvation Army, hey, remember me? Hi. <laughs> the lady's like, yeah, I remember you. I think I said I didn't want you. Like, please go away, you know? I said, but I brought... I brought cupcakes. The lady goes, oh, cool. Takes a cupcake, slams the door. <laughs> and the third week, I said, oh, don't worry about it. I said to the student, it happens all the time, you know. <laughs> the third week comes, I knock on the door, you know. The lady's like, which part of no don't you understand? I said, well, actually, it's, it's the no bit. <laughs> I struggle with it in a lot of areas. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. And we get into the car and the, the student says, you know, this is quite an incredible ministry you got going on here. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I, I flew all the way from England to see it, and, it for myself, you know. <laughs> and you know, what I, you know what I said? Wait for it. Wait for it, my little Padawan. A struggle we must have. Learning to swim, we do together. Fourth week, fifth week, sixth week, I kid you not. She was only with me three months. I was like, please God, please God. I don't know what it was, eight, nine, 10 weeks later, after no, please go away, stop it. Okay, fine, I'll take the baked goods. Okay, please go away. Now you're embarrassing me. You know, like, and it's just on and on and on. Finally, we get there. Same two of us, same exact spiel. Nothing has changed except the date expiry on the cupcakes. That's it. <laughs> Knock on the door. Hey, I was just remember watching into my, and the, 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 the exact same manager, exact same owner opens the door and says, thank God you're here. His student's like, go. 
She said, you gotta come help, you gotta help me, you gotta help me right now, come with me. So we'd go through this brothel to the back of the room and in the back room there's this girl there and she's crying, you know, she's really distraught. And, she's, and this owner says, tell her, tell them what you told me, tell them what, she goes, I don't know how to say it. She said, just say it like you told it to me. And the girl goes, I need forgiveness, I need healing, I need freedom, can you help me? We're like, I'm like, what? I said, well, I know this guy who can forgive sins and heal diseases and set people free. His name's Jesus, you know. I know he can help you. That's why I've come over and over and, and over again. That's, that's why I show up. That's why I swim against the current. That's why I wait around when it looks like nothing's gonna happen and this is a complete waste of my valuable time. That's why I keep coming and facing rejection. That's why I keep rowing even when the waves are against me. That's why even when my muscles hurt and even when my ego's bruised, I keep going because I wanna be right in that spot where Jesus shows up and gets in the boat and I can be a settler. And this girl goes, well, how do I get him, you know? And I said, because I'm a Christian, we're weird sometimes. I said, well, sometimes is an understatement. But anyway, I, I said, you know, just cry out to him, because that's, that's what we would say. Just cry out to him, you know, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I need you to heal me. So she, because she's not a Christian, thought I was like literal, and she just started crying out the back of a brothel. Jesus! She says, I was just thinking about the experiences going on in the other rooms, you know? And I, I was just like, I never knew evangelism would happen like this exactly. You know, like I, I didn't script this one out, but you know, she's just crying out. I actually remember it because the owner manager who's been so, you know, you're not welcome here is bawling her head off. Uh, the student is like a total mech bawling, sobbing. You know, this chick's crying out to Jesus. I'm taking copious notes so I can tell you about it. And, and then we get, we get into the car. I'll never forget this. And the student says to me, that would make an amazing sermon illustration. <laughs> I said to her, which part? Which part? See, because what I, what I do and what every preacher does, because we're like surfers and we, we're in love with the wave. We always tell you about the way, but the part I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you about is all the other part. See, the part I need to tell you about that's a really great sermon illustration is not just the part where Jesus gets into the boat, but it, it's the part where we got into the water. It's the part where we decided to row anyway. It's the part where we decided actually, even though we were tired and weary and it looked like nothing was gonna happen and we had actually tried and failed a lot of things before, is the part where we're in a place, in a position where when the wave did come, where Jesus was going to surprise us, we were ready. Let's stand. Father, Would you close your eyes and bow your heads for a minute? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask that once again you fill our hearts with love. We know that you've poured it out. I pray that each one of us will be a river, not just a reservoir of your love. Let us catch all that we need from you, and then put people in our lives that need our love, whether we see any response or not. Open our eyes to the opportunities that we have to love. 
And I pray that you change our hearts, God. Soften those areas that are hard. Use our pain. To catapult us into new areas and new levels of love. Holy Spirit, lead us to those people that need your touch today, this evening, this week, in Jesus' name, amen. As you go, I want to encourage you on one other thing, and that is, Jesus said these words, he said, the Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I read those verses and I think, how many times I read that, those words of Jesus, and I just go right on by that pruning thing. And I don't camp there very long because I don't like to be pruned. Pruning is painful. It's different than a haircut. Pruning is something that's attached, it's alive, and we don't like that. If you're going through pruning right now, I just want to encourage you that God knows that, and he's going to use it to produce more fruit in your life, and it's okay. God will help you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being willing to listen to God this week to be a river of love to somebody. God bless. Have a great day.